how to raise a boy, Lauren. I don't think. Oh, it works. Um, yeah, raising boys. So, since would you like to take that? Well, yeah, well, I have two boys, two girls. They're all grown up. Um, so, I'll just tell you what we did. I don't know. I think um, if you're going to just follow scripture, it's so simple. And I go to this verse all the time. I, I think I might be not exaggerating if I say that I think of this verse almost once a day, every single day. And that's Jesus' great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Um, first and second. So in Deuteronomy, if you're raising boys, it says to, it says, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. And it says, You shall love Yahweh with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it goes on to say, these words that I commanded you shall be on your heart, moms. They're on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you, they, you shall speak them when you sit on your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And really, that's the best thing I can tell you for raising sons is live the gospel in front of them every single day. Teach them. Don't, don't lose an opportunity to do that. And that goes for daughters, too. It's for your children, honestly. The other thing that, a little caveat to that, my, my sons were really blessed because there was a godly father, a godly husband in our home. And um, let your husband show your sons how to be a man. Uh, don't interfere. Don't coddle your sons. <laughs> don't correct your husband and say he's too harsh because that's, I have said that before. You know, like, oh, my gosh, that's so, you know, you're so rough on it. Not in front of the kids, but, you know, privately I would say, man, you were fierce. But that's good. That's a good thing. Let him do that. And for you ladies who do not have a godly man in your house, find one. Find one at church. Find a a godly relative or something. Your sons need to see what a godly man looks like. Thank you. All right. I see a line forming. So, Emily, I guess. All right. Hi, um, my name is Arlene, and I have two grown children. They're young adults, my daughters, Alana, a.k.a. Lonnie. But my question is, I, my husband was a true Christian, and he raised our kids um, every day with devotions. And I guess my question is, my son walked away from his faith. Uh, So how do you keep your children staying in the word without pushing them away? Because I've seen families that have raised their kids, you know, uh, homeschooled, just the whole everything. And then as young adults, they've completely walked away from it. So how do you keep them in the word without pushing them away? I know there's kind of a fine line. So at what point 
do you, at what point do you think you have to say, okay, um, we're going to raise our kids as Christians, but we want them to have an open mind and to be able to just express themselves. And if they have questions about maybe not wanting to be a true Christian or if they're kind of a little afraid to be honest, what do you say to them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why did all these eyes? Why? You two have to answer at least. Yeah, well, we have the adult children. Um, First of all, um, great question. Really a good question. I think that we have to do the best we can do and understand we have zero to do with our kids' salvation. Zero. I mean, we are told to teach them. We, are, we have to be obedient to the Lord and teach them. We have to do everything within our power to make sure that they're exposed to Christ and to the gospel and all those things because we want nothing. There's nothing worse. One of my favorite verses that's framed in my house is, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And that is a true statement. So we do everything we can, but... How can I put this? If we know that we have nothing to do with our children's salvation, then we can free ourselves and say we have nothing to do with the fact that as adults they reject Christ as well. That's between them and God. I, my advice to you, if your son is not walking with the Lord, don't give up. You pray for him. You love him. Don't let him keep an open dialogue. And if maybe you are feeling like your dialogue with your children wasn't open when they were younger, it's never too late. You can start having an open dialogue. But graciously, lovingly, seasoned with salt, (laughs) you continue on, you pray, you speak, you love, and you leave the rest to God. Because that's a burden you can't bear. My question is on modesty. I have some adult children that are not dressing modest, and so I don't want to come across as a nag, but they always their response is, your convictions are not my convictions, but they're coming to church, and I'm freaking out <laughs> when I see their outfits. And so I wanted to find out if there's some kind of what can I say to them? I just feel like I have nothing else to offer them. I, you know, I've given them, you know, uh, verses on you're the temple of God, you know, keep yourself holy and things like that. And so I don't think they're listening to me. So I just I feel hopeless sometimes. So I wanted to get some advice. Thank you. Send them by me on a Sunday, and I'll wrap them up in one of these tablecloths. <laughs> anyway, that's what I have to say. <laughs> You're not you know, coming L- to the Loretta basement. Hall did that. Loretta Hall, who used to be, she's, a, she's old now and can't come to church anymore, but those, those girls would walk by her. She would, take, she would have a shawl on just for the purpose of wrapping them up. I love that about her. She used to wear it just to wrap them up. How old? <laughs> How old are they? And they, they attend. They're 
Well, that's good. Okay, yeah. Do they live with you? Two Still? Of them don't. And okay. One of them does. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know. No, I'm thinking about friends that, or what one particular friend I have, same that I could, I could send them to her. Um, <laughs> yeah, but now, and they're professing believers. Is that is this correct? So have you ever, it, I think you're doing the right thing in giving them scripture and that kind of thing is, is very, very good. Have you ever asked them what, or like what they think that their dress communicates to other people and especially to men? And do they understand have you what, asked them that? Have you, and what you, do they say? But what do they say when you... They don't say it. Well, they don't have... Okay, that, there's your answer. That's interesting. <laughs> um, right, and also, you've probably talked to them about stumbling their brother. So, if you've, yeah, if you've said all of that, and maybe there's maybe praying for other people to say some of that to them as well, then they will just pray that they'll mature in that. I would say. And you know, I didn't have to, I have to tell you, I didn't get it so much until I got married about modesty in that, in that way. I mean, well, well, you're trying, you know, I was trying to attract a man (laughs) the whole time. I didn't get married till I was almost 40. So, I mean, I was, you know, for a long period of time trying to attract a man, but I didn't really understand that because once you get married, you should should see me at the beach. I'm like, I am going to go over there and I am going to, you know, just like that. I'm going to get a towel and be like, okay, nobody needs to see that part of you. I cannot believe what's going on. But see, as a married woman now, I'm thinking about my husband, right? And I'm thinking about what he is, what he is seeing and I didn't get it so much before I got married. And so, you know, that, that's probably part of it. They don't really understand the stumbling that they're really inflicting on men at this, at this point if they're dressing too immodestly. So I just think you keep persevering and keep bringing those things up and pray for other people to maybe speak into their lives as well. But don't, yeah, don't, don't give up. They'll learn. They'll mature. They're, they're still young. Can I add one, just one more thing? Um, I would just just remind all of us, it's never a, a clothing issue. It's a heart issue. You yeah, know, it's not about... selfish. They really are. So, you know, just keep giving, um, encouraging their walk with the Lord rather than their change of their clothing. Oh, and one last thing, sorry. Just, <laughs> don't go away. I mean, just, just to paint them a picture even, and I don't know how you could do this, but you can bring something up. Like if they're not understanding the stumbling piece, maybe relate it to them somehow in the how would you feel if, you know? I mean, there's guys, you know, for, for women, conversation is really the thing that we love so much maybe. And say some man has this wonderful conversation with you and gets you really interested in him and then just turns and walks away. And doesn't want to talk to you anymore or whatever. Just something that they can really hone in on and say, oh, I, yeah, I would hate that. I would hate that if I was treated that way. 
sometimes you have to really paint that picture. That's so. a good one. That was worth the I price of admission. I was going to add something too. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, so there's the there's definitely the side of making our brothers stumble. I think what's really when I studied those passages in Timothy and when when uh, Paul is talking about modesty, what's really interesting is that he is talking about the church itself. Like he's not. I mean, of course we can apply like you know everyday life. We should be very mindful of our purity and how we present ourselves as Christians. But he's talking about worship. He's talking about how you approach the Lord when you go to worship him, um, that it should be an attitude of reverence. And the women, at least from like with the commentaries that I've read, um, what he was really addressing is that they were not so much maybe trying to attract men, but that they were trying to just draw attention to themselves by the riches of their jewelry and of their clothing. It was all about looking great and not about praising the Lord. And I think that's it's, it's a hard issue it's like are you trying to draw attention to yourself or are you seeking to walk in on sunday and give your whole heart to the lord and everything that you are and that starts even with what you wear and when it comes to modesty too like when the scriptures talk about clothing a lot of times it's talking about our heart it's saying put on christ put on humility put on compassion um it's it's adorning good sound doctrine and so i think also addressing that angle of like it's not even just about men and women it's also about your relationship with the lord and how you're approaching him when you're seeking to worship him that reverence factor we'll be praying for you (laughs) hi my name is kristen um i kind of had two questions that i couldn't decide between because um but i have grown up with only brothers and um just they have kind of just like always been like kind of aggressive kind of people and I kind of um because I haven't had any like sisters I didn't know how to um display kind of that feminine um-ness and so my question is just how do you display gentleness and really true femininity even when you're in like situations where um, you're just hanging out with your brothers and you don't know how to act feminine towards them. And then my second question is, um, how the Bible says that we are supposed to be workers at home, but how does a single woman or you know young girl just um, go to work and still be able to honor the Lord in his commandment to us to be workers at home? Maybe we answer the first one first, and then we'll come back to the second one. The second one. We'll We'll start with the second one because you seem ready. Because I I worked, you know, I worked all my life. I finally retired. I'm so exhausted. But um, I, when I came to be a believer, I was 36 years old, so I was still working and still working. And then they tell me I'm my heart. I have to be home. I have to be working. How I asked the same question that you did. So, and then my wonderful teacher said, but your heart needs to be home. So then all of a sudden I realized, oh, my heart is home. So I would go to work and work as unto the Lord. And then my heart was home when I would go home. Then I would have a beautiful, wonderful time at home. You know, and now hundreds of years later, I'm still, I can go home now and be home. But your heart has to be there. So you have to go work because you're single and you have to work, you know, because if you don't work, you don't eat. I was raised with brothers too, you know, and I was uh, beat up and (laughs) 
hanging from trees. I, I, you know, got the Barbie dolls when I was a kid, and I would hang them up on the trees by their necks. And, you know, and you, you just have a whole different life because you have brothers, you know. You don't, so it's a, it's a strange world, you know. Girls, what are you doing? A tea party? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so all I can say is you learn to worship the Lord. You get that little book, How to Worship Jesus Christ, and you start to learn to worship him. It'll answer all your questions. It'll answer all your questions. I'm just going to say something very briefly. What's your name again? Kristen. Kristen. You know what? The Lord has given you such a sweet, feminine voice and a gentle spirit. Gentle gentle demeanor. So I can already tell you that. Yeah. I didn't get that. (laughs) And we still invited her to the panel. Come on. You got everything. You got brothers and you got the good stuff. <laughs> I'll address quickly the issue of hospitality, though, as well, because that's a great way for anyone, whether single or married, to open your home and your heart to people. So, whether that's with other students, whether that's with your coworkers, that you can be known as someone whose home is always available. And when you are, if you are, working in an environment where there are unbelievers, then the Lord, through his grace, allows you to be known as someone to whom people will come when they need prayer or when they need counsel, to say, I'm going through this, would you pray for me? And that's such a wonderful ministry, and that's just an inestimable privilege to be able to present others the face of Christ just in the kindness of how you care for them. And that can be done in very simple ways of just celebrating birthdays or doing whatever it might be. And I grew up in a family of seven kids. I'm one of seven children, five boys. I think I've recovered remarkably well from that experience. But having brothers doesn't mean that that lessens your femininity at all. That just means that the Lord is allowing you to minister to them in a really sweet way. It's very clear that there's a difference between boys and girls, unless you were raised in this home and you were hanging Barbies from trees. That's a sweet little tidbit I never knew about you, Logan. I think I'll be praying for you in a very different way now. But you're in a ministry as well, and I even look at our pastor's wife, that there are women, I don't know what Bible study you're in or who your small group leader is, but you have women around you who are illustrating what that means. And the Lord provides that, whether you're in a home with a mom or without a mom, you've got all of those models of women who love the Lord. And you can look like them because they look like the Lord. Hi, my name is Greta. Um, Oh, sorry, I'll just write, write in. Um, I'm a very outgoing person, and I've always, I, I'm friends with both guys and girls, and I've always um, kind of been myself or acted the same around uh, all of my friends, and I've kind of, like, noticed that you can't really do that because it gives some of them the wrong impression. But so my question is, how do you um, interact with your guy friends while um, giving them the right impression? Giving the what? The right impression. Oh, the right impression. Robin, go for it. We've talked about this a lot in our home lately. Um, 
So, well, when I say lately, that could be like the last four years or whatever. Um, I think that it is wise um, to be careful um, some, uh, how you treat boys who are men. Um, and no, I don't think that we should act the same with men as we do with women, boys or girls, men, women. Obviously, when they're little boys, it's different, right? Um, they're not little boys anymore. So um, I think it's very important that you... Uh, someone, my sister-in-law, actually, at the time, I didn't, think she, didn't know she would become my sister-in-law, but she reminded me that most men are going to be married someday. And how would I treat them if they were married? And I thought, well, that changes my perspective on how to treat all these guys at the Masters University, where I thought, whoa, I had like 400 options, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is not true either. But anyway, um, you know, you have to kind of... So we, we need to be remembering that we treat our brothers with respect, whether or not they're saved, and, and that they're going to see in you that you're not playing games with them. Um, so we've talked a lot about making sure that you're treating your girlfriends as girlfriends, you have a great relationship with them, you can talk about deeper things. But um, men are, you know, that's a blessing. Hello, we are kind, and we don't go deeper with men. We're not going to do that if we're married someday with them. That would be dangerous to be doing that, so why would you be doing it now? I understand that there is, you know, you want to be open if the Lord wants to bring one of those men to to become your husband. I understand that. But I think that we have to say, well, if the Lord wanted that, he'll put it in his heart. And you also want that the young man, a man who wants to love the Lord, would not be looking for a, a wife who's so very friendly with all guys around her. <laughs> because that you say, well, could I trust her um, to be pure someday, to be committed to me? Um, I don't think it's wise that young women are hanging out with guys and, oh, this is my best friend, and it's about a guy. I mean, I just think that this is, I think, a lot of worldly thinking that comes into our mind, maybe things we've seen in TV shows. or That's not the way. God has made a man to be attracted to a woman and for that to be one man and one woman, and that's good, and that's who your best friend will be someday if that's what the Lord has for you. So um, treat them, I think, a little arm's length there with wisdom, with kindness. Um, we don't want to be rude, but um, your girlfriends are who you can deepen things with and talk about things of the Lord, but th- you don't need to do that with a man. And that's not wise. And perhaps the Lord will use that so that in his grace, perhaps one of those young men say, oh, I like her, you know, and that's what the Lord might have if that's his will, right? And either way, you're honoring him. And you're being pure, and that's a blessing for everyone around you. Thank you. That was good. Hi. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> 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 but how do you, um, you know, yield to the Lord control over your children? Because mm-hmm. um, you don't want to crush their spirit, but at the same time, you know, you have a overseen task from the Lord, but 
I tend to cling to this mirage of control that I know I don't have, but I, I need, you know, that. <laughs> what was your name? Rebecca. Rebecca, thanks. We keep turning to and, and <laughs> How do you yield control? You know what? It's a struggle. I'm not going to, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't struggle with that when my kids were growing up. Because if I, I've said this to all of my children, Lauren, you can attest to that, this probably. If, if I could have made you all love Jesus, if I could have made no pain, no suffering, no sorrow ever, I would have done that. And they would have been wretched human beings. <laughs> so I had to learn early on, you know, the obvious is that we don't have any control. It's an illusion anyways. We don't have any control. So you're really just frustrating yourself. It's actually, it's extremely freeing to understand the sovereignty of God. And that releases you as a parent when you realize that God is sovereign over their salvation. God is sovereign over who they marry. I mean, when they're in your home, you have a lot of say-so. I wouldn't even say control then if they're past three, you know. (laughs) But you have a lot of say-so, and you better exercise that. But I don't know if we're talking about adults here, but once they're adults... You just have to, I would. I think my answer would be stop concentrating on the kids and concentrate on the sovereignty of God. You got to know God better so you can trust your kids with him. Mm. That's good. Oh, I've gotten a lot out of this. <laughs> Hi, my name's Ellie, and I was just um, wondering about Bible reading and how I can dive more deeply into it while really worshiping God other than checking it like off a list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Logan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really would suggest you get that little book, How to Worship Jesus Christ, the one I didn't read for, you know, almost 20 years. Get that book cuz it'll teach you. It's very small and cuz it teaches you the practical of how to worship Jesus. And that's why you go slow. You know, you go sentence by sentence. One time I I went through the Gospel of John. It took me a year. And I did it sentence by sentence. And I worshiped out loud. I prayed out loud in the beginning. Oh, Lord, when when was that? In the beginning of time or in the beginning? Where where did you come from, Lord? And, you know, and and you just start asking him questions. And then you journal, you know, about your observations, about what you're seeing. And just go through a book, maybe take a shorter book. <laughs> it won't take you as long. But, you know, and just um, every sentence, just just see what's in there. I mean, it's eternal. It's, you're never going to get to the bottom of it, you know. But, um, boy, your love for the Lord will grow and grow and grow. And just, I don't know. That was a bad answer, huh? <laughs> Reading scripture is never a bad answer. <laughs> but I think there are also so many great plans to read scripture so that even if you start with proverbs and you know this everybody we we've heard this read a proverb a day 
you can go through the Psalms and you can read a Psalm and a proverb every day. And then you'll continue to repeat this proverb, but you'll be gaining that additional wisdom. And one thing that Logan had mentioned that I think is really helpful is to read things out loud as well and to pray out loud because there's something that you hear when you read out loud that's different than when you read in your mind, if you know what I mean by that. Because when you read in your mind, probably all of us, I hope I'm not the only one, then my mind can be distracted by the 12 things that I have to do when I'm done and I'm trying to be focused, but reading that out loud helps to narrow that. So those two things are always helpful. Going through a book, whether it's whatever, the Gospel of John, or there's a Bible reading plan in the back of every MacArthur Bible. There's so many Bible reading plans. Whatever Bible study you're in, then talk to your small group leader. Have somebody who's also going to hold you accountable to say, what are you reading today? And how are you going to do that? Because at least for me, that's really helpful to know that someone's going to ask me, did I do what I said I was going to do? Because it's really easy to, for me to talk something, but knowing that someone is going to ask me about that will help keep me accountable. And that's also a good idea. Anything else, ladies? Well, I just have one more thing to add. I think it's a great question because I went through a lot of my adult years early on doing that. It was a task. I, I did it because I was being obedient. And, and I realized later on in life that that wasn't enough for me. And I came across Jeremiah, who says, I found the words of God and I ate them. And then I found Peter's words where he said, we're to long for the milk of the word like a baby, like Danny's little baby just longs to nurse. You know, that's the way. We're, and I, I read those two verses and I went, God, that's what I want. And he gave it to me. So my re- advice to you would be, Pray for it. Ask God. That's a gift he wants to give you if that's your heart. So ask God for that gift. Yeah. And pray out loud. <laughs> pray out loud. And just to add, because then you're going to hear how God moves in your thoughts, and he'll take you to scriptures you didn't even think about, and you'll hear it. You won't get lost in your mind. So go for it. Yeah. You're going to be up here next year, Ellie, giving us all the wisdom that you've learned. I was going to add one thing, too, for Bible reading. Um, I know I'm like the same way sometimes when I get so distracted about what's next instead of being and enjoying that communion with Christ. Um, So one question I always try to answer is just like, what does this tell me about the heart of God, about who he is? Does it show me something about his character? And then then praying out loud and, and worshiping him for that aspect, whether it's he's sovereign or he's compassionate or he's holy and um, just really searching for his character. And you'll see that even in books of Leviticus, right? What is God caring about here? This is some, to us, it seems like some wild command, but it's important to God. Let's, let's dig into that. Let's figure that out. Or like, like we talked about modesty, like why is Paul really talking about that? Of all the things Paul could have wrote about in this letter, he's talking about women in their clothing. Okay, this is important. Or um, when we talked about workers at home, like God says, God is telling us to be at home. He's not just throwing that in there. I mean, obviously home is important to him. So what is important to God? Why is he including this um, for us as his holy word for us to read, um, really getting at the heart of who he is and just worshiping him, even even if it's just five minutes before you run to school? <laughs> Everybody else is not very brave, but <laughs> I'll um, ask one of the other questions that I had. 
for you guys, what women in your life have been influential in your guys' life um, and most helpful in your walk with the Lord? If you guys all can answer, I think that would be awesome. At the same time. Because I want to know. (laughs) Yeah, say it all together. Hopefully it's the same person. (laughs) Sure. Um, The first person that comes to my mind is when I was in college. Um, Like I mentioned, I became a believer in high school. But when I was going to college, I was still a very new believer and not very sound in what I knew of Scripture. Um, And my... By the Lord's grace, I found a solid church, and the pastor's wife um, took me under her wing, and she was so sweet, and she met up with me um, one-on-one many times during my college years, and um, I just loved, like we talked about her her love for the word, always like, it was always off the tip of her tongue, she loved to impart that joy in Christ to me, um, and so it just was so inspiring, and so need to see a living example of someone who is in a rich communion with Christ. Like, he truly is her treasure, and I got to see that firsthand. Um, and so, yeah, just that Titus two relationship in college was really special. Um, we knew this question was coming, so I thought about, and I have three women, and they're from all different aspects and elements of my life. The first is my sister, Judy, who really brought the gospel to our home when I was just a young girl, maybe nine or so, um, to this day, she is my spiritual mentor. We talk all the time, and we talk about Jesus. We talk about the Lord. We talk about the fact that he's coming back. We love the Lord, and we love each other. Second person was from this church, Glenda Houghton. She's no longer with us. She was. She mm. taught me um, what a gracious woman looks like she's just was so full of grace and um i like to think that i had a really special relationship with her um and i'm gonna go to my grave saying that but i have found out that she was so gracious many of you think you had the same special relationship with glenda so um but i'm claiming her and then the third one is somebody i don't know at all she's just out there and that's elizabeth elliott her writings are so profound And her life was so filled with pain, and that's why her writings and her walk with God was deep and profound. Well, I would say my my mother, um, my grandmother, and my great grandmother. Wow! Yeah, they all love the Lord and were an example. Not everybody gets that. That's pretty great. Yeah, very unusual. So I had no excuse for anything. <laughs> my great aunts, I really love and admire them. They're quite quite strong in the Lord. And um, Glenda Hutton was one of my professors in in the Master's University at Home Ec. And so all my professors were such an encouragement in, teach, in showing me. Like it's just interesting to see how different women apply Scripture in their lives. The same Scripture, but different ways that... And the women I knew in Mexico, in the churches there, in the seminary there, um, they all also had different. It was interesting to see a lot of cooking with being godly there. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that never quite stuck on me. But anyway, working on that. Um, and I would think that I've always really admired our pastor's wife, Patricia MacArthur. I probably listened to every recording they have of her many many times and i would encourage all of you to do that it's on the website i've pretty much got those memorized um so 
I also would read missionary biographies whenever Luis would go on trips. And I think those women that you read about, that would put me in my place, you know, seeing what they had suffered. Well, I would say uh, my very dearest friend, Darren, who's a girl with a boy's name, but her parents were missionaries, and that was a girl name on the mission field. And so we met here at Grace in 2000, and we were both single for 10 years. And so we had one another, and we still are, you know, just the dearest of friends. She lives in Idaho now, but same like Anne was talking about. We'll just, if we get on the phone, it's one of those where I hope I have three hours to talk because we will talk about the Lord for all of that time. So we, it was just really helpful because we were able to encourage one another greatly during those years. And then my friend Anna Sanders, who discipled me for years, and she would just bring me over to the house and cook salmon. And I would, you know, watch how she greeted her husband, for instance, when he came home and, you know, just ways to communicate that were solid and edifying and good and all of that. So she taught me a ton. And she's the one that you call if you ever get discouraged and you just need to be reminded that, you know, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and don't worry, all's going to be well. She's that person. So she has really fortified me over the years. And then, of course, Elizabeth Elliott, Amy Carmichael is my favorite, and even Catherine Marshall, and that's an old name. You probably don't know who that is, but her writings really helped me when I first became a believer. I love this question, and it's a great question that you can ask at home or at your tables. One of the women I am so, I'm indebted to the Lord for providing her as the woman who shared the gospel with me. I was in college. And I was raised in a, a home where I thought I knew what Christianity meant, but I didn't. And so she was bold enough to say to me that what I thought was wrong. And she was bold enough to say, this is the truth. And she took me to church. And through that, I understood what I never had understood before, which is that it was my sin that nailed Christ to the cross. I, don't, I couldn't tell you her name. Sorry about that. Uh, it wasn't Susan, whatever her name. Susie Fanko. Susie Fanko. It wasn't Susie. But she cared enough about my soul to confront me about my sin. And that was amazing to me. That changed my life by God's grace. The other woman I was going to mention was also Patricia MacArthur. I think we have such a privilege to have our pastor's wife, who is not up front. This is not what she likes to do at all. But she loves the Lord, and she is a sassy personality. So you don't think that because she's not up front that she doesn't have a spark in her. She does, but she loves the Lord, and it's evident in the way that she serves her husband and her family. And that has consistently been an example to me of what's my opportunity? What's my responsibility? How can I do that joyfully? And she models that for me. And then I really appreciate, because in this setting, both in junior high and high school, the staff members who serve here in this ministry are amazing women of all seasons of life. And even in this time today, that we have seen that it's the heart of these young women to care for the students here. 
that is so humbling for me to be a part of and to see how unique they are and how gifted they are and whether they have made graphics or they help lead worship or they bake scones or whatever it might be. There are women here who impact me because I look at that life and say, they love the Lord and they're serving his people. And that's what I want to be like. Hmm. Well, when I showed up here, I didn't look like anybody. I had orange hair. I had purple army boots. And I looked like I came off the streets, but I knew I was saved. I knew something had happened to me because I would never have come into a place like this because it was so strange and everybody I thought looked strange. So, and they say, wow, you know, I've been here 31 years and I've never seen anybody like me come in and stay. So that was very interesting. So the Lord gave me, to disciple me, Elizabeth George. And I needed somebody. She's tough. Don't mess with her. <laughs> She's a godly woman and she, she was just what I needed because she confronted me everything that was inappropriate and everything that was wrong because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything, you know? I'm 36 years old and I didn't know anything. I got run over by a truck. I know I got saved. I got, and the thing is, I don't even know why I'm alive. And she set me straight. She would tell me when I was being selfish. She was telling, and she just was just straight shooter. And that's what I needed, a straight shooter. And then when she said, uh, do you desire to be married? I said, well, I don't know, maybe because I came from a horrible, broken home and horrible stuff. But she said, okay, I'll take that as a yes. <sighs> and she said, now look, it, when you find somebody and she, the traits of, you know, all the traits of a godly man, you pray for him and don't tell a soul you're praying for him. And I did that. I found, had my eye on somebody, and I said, okay, I'll pray. You know, you created the heavens and the earth. You know, <laughs> if you wanted to, me to get married, it wouldn't be a problem for you. So I didn't tell anybody, and a year later, this guy asked me out, and five months later, we were married. <laughs> so she just taught me everything about how to be. And the other person I would say would be Johnny Erickson Tata, because I did get run over by an 18-wheeler truck. It was a real truck. It wasn't you know, metaphorical. It was a real truck. And I walked away without a scratch, and I shouldn't have. I should have been killed, or I should have been a paraplegic. And so what I have learned from Johnny, because I live with chronic pain, too, what I have learned from her is how to live with it and how to rejoice and how to sing and how to worship and how to love the Lord. I got nothing to complain about. When I get feeling sorry for myself, I think about Johnny, and it's like a big slap in the face. Stop it. Look what she's doing. And those are the two people. I like how um, Lauren mentioned, too, like you guys can talk at your tables about this after, too, and just ask each other these questions as well because it's great to see if you have these women in your life, and if you don't, where can you find them? And um, the church, um, your small groups, your moms. are Moms are always a big one, especially those of you that have them sitting right next to you. Um, okay, my last question, and then we'll wrap it up, is um, – it doesn't include Danny and Lauren, but how do we get the rest of you guys to join high school staff? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a silly question, but what? that kind of wraps up our little Q&A. Um, but yes, you guys are always welcome in the basement. Thank you for being here. <laughs> they, yeah. Thank you. So will you guys give them a round of applause? Because we are so thankful to have them here. 
These ladies love our church, um, and it proves to show it because they are down here in the basement with us on a Saturday. They give up time with their husbands and families, and we are just so, so grateful for you women. Um, We were just overwhelmed by the responses that you guys would come down here and the yeses that we got. We were stoked. (laughs) Um, So we just want to say thank you so, so much. Um, We do have little gifts for you guys, so do not leave before you get them. But um, we will just round this time up. I'll say a prayer, and then um, Olivia and Ruth will come up and just end our time um, with a song. But um, thank you so much, guys. If you want to have a seat at the table, um, that will conclude the Q&A. But yes, introduce yourself to these ladies. Thank them so that they'll come back and maybe do it again. <laughs> because we would love that. Um, and then I just also wanted to say, I don't know where Abby Laguna is, but is she here? Because we need to give her a round of applause. And she hate, is going to hate me for this. But she is the woman behind so much of everything that we did today. So we must give her just so much thankfulness for this day. Um, the sign up. She was the woman behind the madness. So don't forget to thank her, Emily Taylor as well. Um, and all the staff, um, we're just so don't forget to show your appreciation for that, but thank you so much for coming. Let me just say a quick prayer and then, um, Ruth and Olivia will come up. So, dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this time together to be able to discuss your design for us as women who love you. We are so grateful for these humble women in our church that and their willingness to come share their love to you and what you have done in their lives. We just pray today that it may be that may continue to be a time to knit these moms and daughters together and that it would just lead these ladies to love you so much more and that those who don't know you would realize their desperate need for you and um, the pain that it follows without you um, and that they need you as a savior. Um, We just love you and we're just so thankful for the ability to come together and for the church that allows us to use this room on a Saturday um, just to worship you. May we glorify and honor you with the rest of our lives. Amen.